0: Veni, veni, venias, and welcome to our podcast. Good evening, and welcome to Ask a Medievalist. I'm M, the ask portion of our program, and joining me tonight, as always, is Dr. Jesse Noose. Hello, a uh, alert listener who um, may or may not be, you know, related to me was uh, put me onto this religion which is called Manichaeanism. And it's it's really interesting. I had never heard of it before, but uh, apparently at one point it was the main rival to Christianity before the rise of Islam. Like, it was very popular, spread through a lot of the world, and then vanished, pretty much. So it came and went. And so tonight, I think we're going to talk about it, so we can try to get our heads around what actually happened. Uh, Yes. And also its roots in Gnosticism. Yep. Which I I (laughs) only know in that it turns up in a lot of different types of heresy.
1: Yes. Yes, we should mention that this is also kind of the start of a series on heresies. Very exciting. But also it is worth remembering that um... (laughs) Heresy is defined, of course, by the winners, <laughs> like history. So, um, you know, the fact that a lot of these things are thought of as heresies, the fact that Gnosticism comes to be known really best as a heresy, is, of course, mm-hmm. unfair. And is, again, yes, decided by the winners. None of them set out to be heretics, basically. Right. And of course, they don't think they right. are, obviously. <laughs> the problem is that if you are the minority you might obviously get stamped out which is how these things happen um but also it's worth pointing out that this is a really really interesting topic Gnosticism specifically but also Manichaeism a lot of these um because for most of I'm gonna say recent history by which I really mean kind of like since the early modern period so you know since the middle ages at least and even sometimes during the middle ages most of what we know about a lot of these um you know religions um and sects and cults and offshoots that are deemed not orthodox um most of what we know about them does tend to come from people who opposed them and thought they were heretical right um and but in a lot of these cases there have been recent discoveries like in the 20th century frequently um That unearthed a lot of new stuff um, that specifically has given us a much, much closer view, closer to the time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. contemporaneous view of what was going on with these people, what they thought, what they were doing, etc. So it is a kind of exciting topic in a lot of ways. Um, But yes, we should also mention, of course, Gnosticism. So this is one of our big root... (laughs) Um, it's kind of a philosophy it's part it is part of a lot of heresies mm-hmm. um, and also it definitely influences manichaeism um, it's also worth pointing out that it's not it can't really be defined as its own movement exactly right so it's definitely a philosophy it's a belief system it's even a group of sort of belief systems or philosophies, because there are a lot of different sort of variations. Mm -hmm. Um, There are certain tenets we've come to think of as Gnosticism. Is there
0: still a Gnostic
1: church today? Um, Yeah. Gnosticism is still absolutely around in a lot of ways. So, um, and that's, but that's again why, you know, it's not unlike, you know, for example, Manichaeism that did, unfortunately, strangely disappear. Um, To The fact that Gnosticism is still a belief that some people follow isn't necessarily the same thing as saying, like, that this is a belief that has... It's not necessarily the same belief, Mm -hmm. right? Oh. This isn't sort of the same as a religion where you can say there were Gnostics and there are still Gnostics, (laughs) right? Gnosticism as a kind of belief is still around in various places, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily with a direct line or
0: things like that,
1: right? It's... It's it's a very nebulous okay. entity, <laughs> um, Gnosticism. Um, that being said, we do want to give a shout out to Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Again. Where we have the character Tommy Gnosis. Okay. <laughs> Gnosis, of course, means knowledge. Gnosis. I mean, our word knowledge comes from it. Oh. It's why we spell it with a K-N, right? Gnosis. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um... In Hedwig, which also, of course, puts to music, there's a whole song that is Aristophanes' speech from the symposium. Um, It's heavily influenced by philosophy. Mm -hmm. And Tommy is really embodies the idea of Hedwig knowing herself. Um, Which, of course, is one of the places that that word has shown up, right? Knowledge. Um, Things like know thyself, right? Um, It traditionally means... What we think of knowledge, right? Stuff that you know. Information. Um, It can also, of course, mean understanding. Like, know thyself, right? Um, The thing that happens with Gnostics, specifically, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, first off, uh, oh, we do give a shout-out again to things like McGinn, um, The Foundations of Mysticism, Volume 1, Origins of the Fifth Century. Yes. Um, There are other things as well, but anyway, that's a good one. Um, And Gnosticism, as it comes to be thought of, basically, as this sort of nebulous belief system, um, sort of arises in the second century. This is, of course, CE, right? So this is after the birth of Christ. Christianity is kind of making its way, (laughs) um, doing its thing. And there are other things that are also arising, right? Judaism is sort of um, splintering. Mm -hmm. It has been splintered. I mean, there are various sort of um, factions of Judaism, of course. That's kind of where Jesus right, comes Right. There from. are a lot
0: of people wandering um, around teaching various things during that time period. Yes. Right. Um, and of course, the temple exists and then is destroyed.
1: Um, but prior to that, the temple priests, of course, were trying to keep theirs as the Orthodox version. Um, so yeah, there, there are things going on. The actual origins of what we come to think of as Gnosticism are not clear. So this is really important. Um, It may have arisen within Jewish circles. It's certainly influenced by Judaism at this time. It does seem that a lot of Gnostics did consider themselves Christian. But of course, the differentiation between Christian and Jewish isn't the same as it is a few centuries later. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, Originally, right, you have to be Jewish to be Christian. Christianity is a sect of Judaism. right? Right. So it takes a while for it to break off, right? You know, before that, you are a follower of Jesus, who, of course, is Jewish. So you are Jewish,
0: but you call yourself a Christian because that's who you're following. Right. Um, so you're Jewish in the sense today. that you adhere to, like, Jewish law, basically. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, but it's worth pointing out, like, even today, um, there are some of the ultra-Orthodox sects, of course, right? They follow specific rabbis. ah uh, Yes. Especially.
0: Right, the we um, we have specific we have names for them the the Bellatures, yes um, yeah they're the best yeah. known because they're the least um, the least ultra yeah. <laughs> who are yeah. these ones the bob um, the bobites or something anyway yeah there's there's a slew but they have different cats um, you know whatever yes go to so, Brooklyn but the the interesting you can get a spotters yeah, guide probably yeah. oh yeah
1: well yeah <laughs> don't walk through the neighborhoods wearing shorts etc. But yes, so if so it's you know, in some ways it's not unlike that idea, right? Um It's just that then, of course Christianity becomes its own thing, mm-hmm. obviously.
0: <laughs> um but that you know, that's where sort of what's going on. So oh, Bob um, Bobovers, that's what they're called. I don't know what I just said. Okay, yeah, never mind. <laughs>
1: um but that idea, right? So you have um so you have these groups, right? You have all this new stuff happening. Um there's a lot of Platonic philosophy floating around. Uh, it should be noted that, of course, a lot of Plato's actual writings are not going to be sticking around. But his philosophy is deeply embedded in the religion of the time. Um, so, and of course, we just mentioned his symposium. I mean, Hedwig, you know, right. Mitchell and Trask knew knew what was what when it came to philosophy. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway. Um, also recently so, mentioned by the great philosopher Little Nas X, I believe.
1: Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> also makes an appearance. Um yeah yeah, the oh, come on, what's the song?
0: Um where he's the devil. Yes, uh Montero. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, call me. It's something like Yeah, the lyrics call are call me, call by, me by call me by your name. Yeah, Montero. By, by
1: your name. Yeah, cuz that's that is his mm-hmm. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic video and song and video.
1: But yes, yeah, Plato, absolutely. So this idea, though, right, that um, this, and that's, I mean, that video actually <laughs> does, of course, reference heaven and hell and the devil, um, but you have their, yes, right, um, platonic philosophy is deeply, deeply embedded in this, which in some ways is kind of intriguing. I mean, it's intriguing for a lot of reasons that we're not going to go into right now, but um It is important, right? Because it means that Plato lasts, even though a lot of his texts aren't around until the Renaissance. His philosophy is deeply, deeply, deeply important. Mm -hmm. Um, In a way that Aristotle, of course, is important, and his texts, a few more of his texts are around. Um, Obviously, everything gets dug up again around the Renaissance, right? But, um, but Aristotle is not, um, his philosophy is not deeply embedded into the belief systems at this time. Um, And so what happens is, um, essentially, right, you have Gnostics who do seem to have thought of themselves as Christian, or at least the text that we have now, those Gnostics did. But again, right, the origins very well come, could very well come, quite possibly do come from Judaism or presumably also existed in Judaism at the time. So there's probably a lot of sort of, right, Judaism at the time, Christianity at the time, they're slowly differentiating themselves Um, you know, so one of the things that happens is Plato's philosophy is really floating around. It becomes deeply embedded in Christianity. Um, things like through a glass darkly, which I think we've mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Um, but that idea, right, that you, that we are not seeing what is real. Um, and that, of course, is Plato's allegory of the cave, also the, um, theory of forms, right, the hierarchy of forms. Um, and that's really what we're going for here. Um, is this the, the forms? So a quick reminder for those who are listening, um, Plato's concept <laughs> was that there is an ideal world, and that is where truth truth is, right? This ideal world is essentially what is real. That is truth. Um, yeah. Humans are capable of accessing ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Ideas are what we can get. It's the part of the ideal world that filters down to our human brains. Right. So um, I can have an idea. I have this idea of truth and what it is. But I can't really know it. Gnosis. (laughs) I can't really know it because ultimately I have not learned how to reach that world of the ideal. Now, of course, if you're Plato, you think a philosopher can ultimately reach that. But yeah, uh, you know, we're going to ignore that for the moment. (laughs) I
0: mean, if um, that is the point of <laughs> philosophy kind of <laughs> right? that's a lot of i mean i feel like a lot of philosophy throughout time has been like hey look how much more in tr- touch with the truth i am than you are yes i guess that's most most religions too to, to be honest
1: yes which is why like, this is it kind of makes yeah. sense right um but yeah so here we are so the ideal world filters into our human brains And we have an idea,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Um, The thing is, we can't communicate that idea. The minute we try, it becomes corrupted. And that is the world we see around us, the world that you can touch and feel and talk about. This is the material world. Mm -hmm. It's the world we think of as the real. But as far as Plato is concerned, not only is it not real, it's twice removed from the real, right? Right. So it's like already two two shades of fake, or whatever. (laughs) Um. You know, so you you think that you created an extraordinary architectural masterpiece, but that that's, no, that's stupid, right? The idea that you had in your head, that was so much closer to the masterpiece. The thing you actually see in front of you is blah, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, of course, even the thing you had in your head, the idea of this incredible architectural masterpiece was nothing compared to the ideal version,
0: you know. Um Right. I feel like this so is of true course, of a lot of artwork that I've attempted, right? <laughs> like, the idea that you have is never ah, quite what gets executed. So I'll yes, go with it. Yes, but of
1: course, this is what happens, you know, this is why I teach this, of course, in theater. Um, yeah, when you get, of course, to art, Plato views art as the most removed <laughs> from truth. Because <laughs> right. art is just a copy of... ...of the material world, which is already fake. Mm -hmm. So if I'm painting a tree,
0: it's a copy of a copy of a form, basically. Of a a copy of a form. I guess, like, like the the idea of tree that I have in my head is poorly represented already by the tree that I'm actually looking at. By any specific tree.
1: Exactly. And then the one you paint is further removed from that so this is why plato thinks all art is a lie
0: i mean (laughs) um he maybe he's right
1: (laughs) 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 yes um unfortunately the anti not just theatrical i mean the anti-artistic prejudice that plato didn't start it but he certainly helped popularize it and keep it around um is still with us in many ways right there are plenty of people who look at art and say that's a lie right film is lying these things are lying to you um and of course what artists say is that no this is actually a way to uncover the truth you can't the material world is fake and you know the idea you have in your head is fake but if you really work on your artistic representation um you will manage to uncover the truth right um yes so it all depends aristotle of course agreed with that Mm -hmm. idea (laughs) which is why theater likes him (laughs) he wrote the poetics after all to try and prove it um Aristotle was the ultimate fanboy, and he disagreed with his teacher, Plato. And we're grateful, because somebody had to.
0: And to be fair, Um, this is best immortalized in uh, Raphael's, in the school of Athens, which is mm -hmm. a painting. And not just a painting- it's a painting of what Raphael <laughs> thought Plato and Aristotle would have looked like, because there's no way that he would yes. have actually known them. Aristotle would have yes. loved it and Plato <laughs> yes. would have.
1: It. And of course, the funny thing is that obviously Greek art has been is incredibly influential. Mm-hmm. Um so Plato clearly there weren't a lot of people listening to Plato. Women against the tide. But yes, but he does make his way into things like Christianity and Gnosticism. So, um it's not like he failed. He just, you know, he went somewhere else. You find your and it audience. Wasn't him, obviously.
0: You find your audience. Yes. Exactly. Yes.
1: Yeah. Clearly, artists and those who love them were, were not his audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that's Plato's famous theory of of the forms. Um, yeah, he thought all that was lie. The my favorite, of course, is Magritte, the painting of oh, yes. the pipe, and it says underneath, of course, this is not a pipe. Because it is a painting, right? And so he is making fun of Plato, essentially, which is fair, right? (laughs) Um, And as a surrealist, obviously, um, Magritte is very invested in the idea that art can uncover things that maybe the brain isn't aware of, right? And stuff like that. So anyway, um, yes. So there we are. That's Plato. Um, Quick rundown. The Allegory of the Cave, of course, is where you got three prisoners chained in a cave, And there's a fire behind them, um, and it throws shadows on the wall, right? So it's it's far behind them, and between them and the fire is this raised walkway or something. And every time
0: people walk across it, they see the shadows, right? And um, I always just pictured it as somebody doing shadow puppets. Yeah, like here's a bunny. Here's.
1: (laughs) Yes, but the idea is that they're, they're actual yeah. things, right? So there's a real bunny, but they, but they see the shadow mm-hmm. on the wall. They're real people, but they see the shadows on the wall. Um, and they hear the voices, but, you know, it's the cave, all the sound is distorted. Um, and so they look at that, and they think that that's real. But then eventually one of them is released and taken outside the cave into the real world and sees that there are people and bunnies and so on. Um, and is amazed and runs back into the cave to try and tell the ones who are still chained up but of course um now he's just a shadow on the now wall i don't
0: believe right? yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so um and of course to plato right the philosopher is the one who has seen outside the cave and understood right you've gone out into the sun which is the ideal world you've seen that that is the real and everyone else is chained up staring at the shadows on the wall thinking that those shadows are real but they're not yes so um yeah so this is plato <laughs> um and this becomes, yeah, very influential for the idea of the soul, right? Um, and God and heaven, of course, versus hell and things mm-hmm. like this, right? Um, so we are in the material world of flesh. This is, I mean, we're jumping into Christianity a bit here, but basically, right? The way Christianity comes to understand this is that we're kind of in the material world of flesh. Um, and we, spirituality, religion helps us reach the idea Right. But only when we die can our soul be released to actually get to the world of the ideal, which is heaven and God. Right. Face to face rather than through a glass darkly. Um, so that's Plato and Christianity in, in a <laughs> nutshell. Um, the fun thing about Gnosticism, and I would like to actually say this up front, is that um, it's right. It's developing along the same time as Christianity is developing. Mm-hmm. Um, And in the same circles, which is to say Judaism at this time. And a lot of the things that Gnosticism comes up with, um, what makes them heretical, ultimately, for Christianity, for what becomes Orthodox Christianity, isn't so much what the Gnostics believe. There are are a couple things that the Gnostics believe that do become heretical. But what makes it more, more more of what makes it heretical, right, aside from the couple beliefs, is that Um, what becomes Orthodox Christianity doesn't like the end point of where Gnosticism's philosophy goes, but the methodology is one that absolutely sticks around. Um, So that is why it's sort of important. And it's why in some ways, um, some people argue that Gnosticism did develop like early Christianity, sort of in the same circles, but that ultimately it's sort of connected to Christianity. Some people argue that it's more independent, um, and you can kind of see why, because there is a way in which you could kind of view Gnosticism in some ways as a separate, what could have been potentially a separate branch of what became Christianity, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's just that then that, that branch got cut, basically. <laughs> but a lot of those things stuck around. A lot of the ideas stuck around. And certainly the methodology that Gnosticism is invested in also sticks around. So, um, yeah. So that's a quick sort of caveat. All right. So here we go. <laughs> so Gnosticism is developing in the second century. Um, before 1945, we really only knew about it from Orthodox Christian sources, those who considered themselves Orthodox, who really did not like Gnosticism and fought it as a heresy. Um, in 1945, a farmer um, in Nag Hammadi, Upper Egypt. Oh, um, I mean...
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep, he uh, found a buried sealed jar. Yes, and in this jar were I think 13 um, leather-bound papyri codices. Well, papyrus. Mm-hmm. Papyrus codices. So the, the codices are the plural, I guess, there. And they are made of papyrus. Okay. The point is. Anyway, so codices, yeah. Um, we are, right, so not scrolls. So codices. Meaning, meaning this is a from book. our book. Book one. Yeah. Yes. A book. But a book made out of papyrus i mean in this case papyrus yeah (laughs) in
0: 13 of them Um, in a jar
1: in a sealed jar yeah the sealed part i think is important jar (laughs) yes yeah yeah if you think about um you know they did have big old giant urn type jars yeah so yeah so and um these have become known as the um nagamadi library which is brilliant
0: um they're written in coptic my father had a book i think called nag Hammadi that i remember seeing on the bookshelf yes uh repeatedly wondering what it meant so i'm suddenly excited (laughs) to yes connect those things yes
1: yeah it was one of those you know extraordinary things that happened okay right um it's like finding you know the
0: the Dead Sea Scrolls. Sutton Hoo or whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, it's just... It's <laughs> every now and then people wander across something and you're like, what? Tutankhamun, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, it's just one of those extraordinary things that happened. Um, and unlike... I mean, well, actually, like everything I just mentioned, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, Tutankhamun, Sutton Hoo. Um, all these things were... Well, maybe not the Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't know, but all of these things were sort of purposely buried and preserved. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily purposely preserved, but certainly purposely buried. Yes, <laughs> um, and and then were preserved, right? But the sealed jar, they it was pretty clearly buried with intent towards survival, like a time capsule. Um, so or they or were something. meant to be. Yes. Well, so this is the question, right? They clearly intended them to to be preserved. Mm-hmm. Um, the preservation in some ways is luck because they presumably they being the people who buried them did <laughs> presumably did not intend for them to be buried for oh gosh they were probably they were written as far as we know in like the third to fourth centuries okay. um and so, so close to and 2, probably buried. Years. yeah hmm. basically you know um and you know maybe they're buried 100 so certainly like 1500 years um yeah you know that's extraordinary um it's possible that they were buried because around that time, some of these texts were banned. So what we, f- what they are, right. So they're mostly written in Coptic, um, which is right. The Egyptian of the time. <laughs> um, and they're mostly Gnostic texts. Okay. And this is a period where those are starting to be considered um, banned, heterodox, heresies, etc. Um, And so this might be one of the reasons why they were buried. Um, It's possible. There are some thoughts about like monasteries that were nearby or things like this. Um, Were they, you know, were these texts sort of specifically banned? Were they told they had to get rid of them? And someone was like, I will Mm -hmm. save them, you know, and buried them. And then lo and behold, we found them. Right. Um, Some of the other fun things that are there. uh, One of them, the (laughs) non-canonical or apocryphal, right? Um Gospel of Thomas. Okay. This is doubting Thomas is, Thomas? Yeah. Um and it's comprised basically just of sayings of Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Um and so that's a good one. You know, so there there are texts there um that were in some cases unknown in some cases only known fragmentary. Um and in addition to that, right, in addition to, like, these just really incredible f- finds and sort of completer texts and all this stuff, um, also, of course, the dates, right, third to fourth centuries, we have something that's really kind of contemporaneous to when a lot of these beliefs existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, this treasure trove of Gnostic texts by Gnostics. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So not not written by those who thought they were heretical, Perhaps buried because of those people, but not mm-hmm. written by them. Um, the Gospel of Thomas is frequently called actually the Gnostic Gospel. People have sort of argued about that: um, is it actually Gnostic, or is it just that it's buried with these other texts? Um, anyway, somebody we thought it don't was to that important
0: that one, enough but. to bury it. Certainly,
1: yes, yes, definitely thought it was important, and obviously it is considered apocryphal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it gets mentioned, but. Um, Presumably, and presumably, this is Mm -hmm. it. Presumably, this is the one that was mentioned, right? Um, You never know. Were there other versions? Probably, but Mm -hmm. anyway. (laughs) Uh, But we got this one, so there we are. All right. So that was exciting. Yes. Um, All right. So Nazism. What did we find? Well, um, basically, Nazism isn't one coherent belief system. But here are the basics, (laughs) Um, and this is this is the part that makes it. heresy okay gnostics generally believed in um dualism and this is what they're known for gnostic okay. dualism um, and this is why we are talking about them this is the part that influenced uh, manichaeism um, is the dualism okay so they believed in dualism and this is a dualism taken basically from plato's theory of forms okay. um so uh, Gnostics believe essentially that the material world here we are right the, what we call the real world but of course Plato thought was a big old lie um, Gnostics believe that the material world is basically an evil mistake okay this
0: is optimistic um, so far
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> um, and so exactly what that means can you know, dif- you know there are different variations but basically um, due to evil um, you know, either either a mistake or maybe evil because of evil doing something it shouldn't have because it's evil. That is what brought the material world into being. Okay. So the material world is an error. Oh, right. Um, it is it is wrong. It it is wrong and bad. Okay. Right. Um, the so called real world is, of course, what Plato thought of as the ideal. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the spiritual world. Um, and that, so that is Gnostic dualism, that there is the evil material world um,
0: versus the spiritual so, ideal good world. Maybe, maybe it's the materialist in me, but where does that leave human beings? Because I can't help but notice we seem to live in the evil part of things. We do seem to do yeah. that, yes.
1: Um, well, this is why it's a heresy. <laughs> Um, Because you might notice, even before you get into the fact that this is where we live, that we have run headfirst into a big old problem uh, known as Genesis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something Um, about God Where you may recall, yes, that God created the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Gnostics definitely reject that. Okay. Um, So Orthodox, and every time I say Orthodox, right, I mean, of course... Um, the versions of these religions that dominate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And therefore, like, you know, history being written by the winners are therefore able to call themselves orthodox. I am not referring to like orthodox Judaism, I'm just referring to orthodoxy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But so Judaism and Christianity, the forms of these religions that consider themselves to be the orthodox forms, um, the correct forms, I guess we could say, um, obviously believe the world to be good overall. Because God created it, right. therefore, you know God creates that which is good. There is evil in the world, but the world itself is not inherently mm-hmm. evil. Um, Gnostics do not think this, <laughs> right? Uh, basically, de- demonic power is created material reality as we know it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is that is okay. So straight up, yeah. So this is.
0: Has- <laughs> made a lot of people unhappy and been widely regarded as a bad move as uh yes douglas adams would say yes
1: (laughs) yes exactly um and yes one can see why because of course this this is where we live it also led to some weirdness obviously because these things always do um on the one hand asceticism which orthodox christianity and judaism as well in many ways um also believe in frequently asceticism that things like fasting will help you get mm-hmm. closer to God. Um, so that's the weird thing, right? This element of the material holding us back from the spiritual, which is platonic on some mm-hmm. level, that persists. Right? And we have on this very podcast talked about, you know, women mystics and just mystics um doing very ascetic things. Yes. Um fasting to the point of, you know, Almost, or even death sometimes, um,
0: as a way of sort of purging the bodies for the soul to get closer to God. Yes. Uh, Check out the episode on Hermits and Anchorites for more on that. Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So obviously, these ideas persist, right? And this is why I said that where you can tell that Gnosticism, they're just doing something different with some of these ideas. Um, And some people view them as kind of the logical extreme of some of these (laughs) ideas. And it's, that's not wrong necessarily. They are kind of the logical extreme, right? If you believe, if you do believe asceticism is good, mm-hmm. um, then the idea that all of material reality is bad, like that is kind of the logical conclusion. Okay. How right. is it not? <laughs> right? And of course, the point is you're supposed to believe, like, well, your body is bad because you are sinful, but the world as a whole mm-hmm. is not. Right? Um, Francis, of course, saint, is a good, um, example of that really right animals are innocent all these things in nature that are good and in um and arguably we have a lot of that today Mm -hmm. right people are sort of evil and destroying the world but nature (laughs) nature is good we can all agree that like nature is sure um so you know but yeah the gnostics do have the kind of point here so on the one hand asceticism was a thing that they some some of them again not all ever but some of them believed in because the material world is terrible um but this also led them, actually, some, some Gnostics went the opposite route, which is to say that because the material world is just an evil lie, mm-hmm, basically, um, you can be as kind of libertine as you want, because it's all just an evil lie anyway.
0: Oh. So what's the So point? they're like <laughs> the guy in the Matrix who <laughs> figures out that he's in the Matrix and just like does whatever, you know, like steals and e- yeah, it's eats just like, steak every night and, yep. you know slaps yeah. people on the subway what's the point? you're
1: all just computer programs yeah. over yeah
0: okay exactly <laughs> yes i don't know what people what do people yeah. do when they are being evil yeah they slap people on the subway no
1: that's actually a great the comparison to the matrix is actually a perfect example um this that that is exactly this kind of dualism and of course again right um keanu reeves is released mm-hmm. i mean he is a jesus figure of course but um we could definitely <laughs> you know, in a kind of Gnostic yeah. way, right? You come back, there's the red pill or the blue mm-hmm. pill, right? You, and you come back and you release people and you free people. And yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can be a libertine because whatever, mm-hmm. or you can choose to, you know, walk the righteous path, but um, yeah. So Gnostics had this sort of interesting sense here. <laughs> um, and the idea is though, either way that the soul does want to get back to the ideal, but only knowledge will get you there. Okay. So that's why they kind of don't care about actions, right? Um, you can deal with the evil of the material world however you want, but your actions aren't going to do it. Only knowledge, this is why, of course, they're called mm-hmm. Gnostics. <laughs> only knowledge will get you there. The thing is that by knowledge, what they really mean is essentially divine revelation,
0: so not in the sense that there's going to be some sort of posthumous pop quiz, but in the sense that there's some revelation from God that you need to have in order to make it to the spiritual realm. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um because someone might lead you out of the mm-hmm. cave, right? To use the allegory of the cave one. Um someone might lead you out, but um you know, if you're not lucky enough to be let out, how are you possibly going to free right. yourself, right? There's no way, except from for the Gnostics' point of view, there's no way, you know, um, from some people's point of view, of course, you might be able to extrapolate um, by clues and science and things that the shadows on the wall are coming from something else, right? <laughs> but for the Gnostics, um, and of course, the mm-hmm. point of Plato's actual allegory in the first place is that Aside from divine revelation or a philosopher, right. right, someone to lead you outside the cave, there's no way to escape. Um, so the Gnostics, then, who associate themselves with Christianity, which are the ones that we know about mostly. So um, they do seem to consider themselves Christian. Again, this is mostly based on this set of texts. Okay. So, um, But anyway, so for them, for example, Jesus would, of course, be this figure, right, leading you out of the cave. Okay. Um, so that there is this kind of, um, you know, Jesus brought this kind of divine revelation. But the idea is that aside, you know, that's what you need. You need revelation, you need a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so mysticism, this is why it's in Begin's origins of, or foundations of mysticism, origins to the fifth century. Um, because these are kind of the origins, oh. right? Um, this idea that you, that that, but for the Gnostics, it's required. Okay. Like, that's how you reach God. That's how you know. That's how you have knowledge. Um, Obviously, for traditional slash Orthodox Christianity, um, vision and revelation is not required for each individual Mm -hmm. to reach God. Right. Um, But yeah, but that's what they mean by knowledge. Um, That also poses some problems, because, of course, um, Orthodox Christianity will definitely want to keep mysticism. um, And they also um, definitely want to keep a lot of the things that surround the Gnostics' concept of what, um, of how you reach revelation, Mm -hmm. right? So they, (laughs) traditional Christianity is not about to, like, let this go, um, but they have to, um, this is sort of why they have to define why the Gnostics are wrong, uh-huh. right? Because they have to keep it. But it is a really interesting sense, because this isn't how we think of knowledge today, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and essentially, one of the things that the Gnostics do, which is something that is definitely has origins in Judaism and that Christianity maintains, um, is Gnostics are major proponents of what we would consider allegorical or spiritual readings of scripture. Um and that's, you know, this becomes a foundational element of Christianity. Um, obviously, Judaism did this as well. But when you get into Christianity, um, of course, you have things like um, you have the parallels, right? You have a lot of allegorical parallels. So, for example, you don't just have all the spiritual allegories that Judaism invests in the Garden mm-hmm. of Eden, but you have a whole new set that reference the eventual coming of Christ, right? So Adam parallel to Christ, um, Eve parallel to Mary, right? Stuff like this, right? Um, So yeah, Christianity is not about to give up allegorical readings of scripture (laughs) um, and the sort of spiritual sense, uh, but they accuse the Gnostics of reaching the wrong conclusions, basically, from their exegesis. Um, And that is sort of, you can tell why, because of course... When Gnostics read Genesis, they start by not believing that God actually created the world, right? <laughs> so they are operating kind of on a level that is a little beyond. Now, um, you know, it's, hmm, there's some, there are a lot of comparisons one could mm-hmm. make, right? Which is to say that, that people are really primed. This is an idea behind a game theory, that people are primed to see things, to see clues where they don't exist, basically. Right.
0: There was a whole book where somebody took s- all of the the Bible code, wasn't it called? I was in like seventh grade when uh-huh. it came out. And somebody took all of the letters in the, I think in the Torah and put them and was like, you know, playing crosswords with it and being like, here's a word, here's a word. And this has some deeper meaning, um, which also like sometimes people read the Torah in weird ways as part of... Jewish mysticism. Um, but this was, Absolutely, I yes. believe, drawing some sort of <laughs> more modern political message. And, uh, yeah, you know, not taking into account that Hebrew is like a trilateral root language. So that if you right. pick any three wor- like letters, you will maybe find the root of a word. Probably make a yeah. word. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but Gnostics... I mean, um, not all, again, but there is an element of Gnosticism that really deeply feeds into Mm -hmm. this idea. Um, Or, you know, purposely uses it, essentially, right? That there are codes where you, yeah. Um, And again, yes, absolutely, Orthodox Christianity will definitely maintain a lot of those things. Orthodox Judaism did and does. Um, So it it really comes down to just the idea that Gnostics are finding interpretations that are wrong as far as Orthodox Christianity Mm -hmm. is concerned. Right. Um, But there is something interesting about it, because obviously Gnosis, we are supposed to think of knowledge um, in some ways as slightly more (laughs) fact bound, right? Um, Or even if you think of it as more truth Mm -hmm. and philosophy, um, that there is what the traditional orthodox forms of these religions would consider. Of course, the foundational problem with Gnosticism is starting from the idea that the material world is itself evil and a lie. Right, So at that point, anything you're interpreting after mm-hmm. that is really going to take you off into unknown places, <laughs> right? Some of the bizarre yeah, unknown places.
0: So did the um, Orthodox type of crackdown come almost right away? Or was there like a period where Gnosticism sort of flourished? Or,
1: Yeah, well, it takes a while. Um, yeah, so Gnosticism absolutely flourished. And the dualism continues to be really seductive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see why, right? So there's this idea that God contains all of the ideal within him, right? So heaven and God and the ideal world, Mm -hmm. that is reality and that is all contained within God. And you can see how later mysticism brings up this idea. Um, It's just that then the material evil world is entirely separate, right? Um, And so this even leads – this is another heretical belief that some Gnostics had, um, which is that Jesus – it's known – kind of as a docetic belief that just that's just a word that's um but meaning that jesus didn't have an actual material body Hmm. right because as as a divine being from the ideal obviously jesus didn't have a material body okay that's evil you can't mix those things
0: (laughs) makes it more difficult to do that whole dying bit that he was known for yes yes
1: and that's the other big heresy right Um, So the one heresy is the dualism to begin with, the idea that God and the ideal heaven, etc., are entirely separate from the world that Mm -hmm. we can touch. (laughs) So that dualism is the big heresy. But it then gives rise to other things that perpetuate themselves, actually. And one of them is this idea that Jesus maybe didn't have an actual material body or didn't feel pain. Hmm a lot of those things, some of those stick around and those are definitely considered heretical because, yes, the whole point is the suffering. That's why it's called the passion. It means suffering. Right. (laughs) Um, Yes, that is the point. Died for our sins and that, that is the point. It's hard to get more of a point than that. (laughs) That is the point of Christianity. Yes. Um, And so as Christianity decides that that is the 100% main point, Gnosticism becomes definitely a no, 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 no. Um, but it does take a little bit, so it, it rises. It, it's around for a few yeah. hundred years. Um, it and obviously the ideas stick around, but it rises in the second century, um, and it Gnosticism as its own separate thing is pretty well stomped mm-hmm. out, kind of by the fourth, fifth. Well, by okay. the fifth. But I would so say.
0: when our when um, our guy yeah. uh, Manny is born, this is still going pretty strong in like the the 200th. Yes.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that's of course why, you know it. It does mm-hmm. <laughs> influence him. Um, but yeah, so, and the final thing, right, for Gnosticism, this also goes to Manny, right? Uh, believers must awaken to the non existence of the material world and the permanence of the spiritual realm. Spiritual realm, sorry. So that that's the big thing. Um, we should mention, uh, just because we're here, that Origen, and this is O R I G E N, this is a dude okay. <laughs> named Origen, Origen of Alexandria, he's about 185 to 253 or 4. He's a mystic, theologian, exegete, all this stuff. Um, he is orthodox. And by that I mean he's not a heretic. Okay, <laughs> he's So he's Christian. Um, he's a huge influence on a ton of important people to come after. You'll notice he's quite early. He is frequently cited as the origin <laughs> of Western Christian mysticism. Okay. <laughs> Ha-ha. Yes. I'm the first person to ever make yeah. that. One. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway. Um... But he absolutely, he uses Plato, he uses various elements that appear in Gnosticism, but he helps reclaim them for orthodoxy, essentially. Um, And so he sort of removes, like, revelation and, you know, visions and revelation um, and certain types of allegorical exegesis and all this stuff. He sort of removes them from the Gnostics (laughs) and from the sense of dualism that they sort of infuse them with. Um, and he's, and then he sort of leads off into mysticism as we know it and have talked about it. Um, but he's one of those people who helps make that happen. Um, yeah. So yes, so there we are. Um, we should mention that although dualism, Gnostic dualism, sort of Gnosticism specifically does manage to get stumped out kind of, you know, um, by the 400s or so, um, Augustine, this is the famous Augustine, of course, of Hippo, uh, 354-430, to born northeast Algeria, um, in what was the Roman province of Numidia. Um, He tells us in his confessions, which is how we know anything about him, but anyway, um, that he was, he did follow uh, Manichaeism for a while, for like 10 years or something. He was a convert, that's what he did, um, the dualism drawn from Gnosticism is what kind of seduced him. Um, shortly after this, Manichaeism will kind of disappear from the West. Um, but because of Augustine, it becomes and remains synonymous with dualism like Gnosticism. So um, for the rest of the Middle Ages, there are a lot of instances when people are accused of being Gnostics or being um, or believing in um, Manichaeism you know, specifically dualism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, that's usually complete nonsense, right? But because Augustine has mentioned it, and of course, you know, by the time he's writing Confessions, he is looking at his time as <laughs> following Manichaeism as a, like, you know, yeah. whatever. Romp in the wilderness. Um, it It becomes a really prime heretical thing to throw sure. at people, right? Like a tag to throw at people, even if it's not really around anymore in the west um and even when people clearly aren't it just it it stays so augustine is kind of the reason that this
0: the west even still cares Mm -hmm. i guess we could say just Um, to add it it persisted in china until what the like the 14th century or something like after the song dynasty yeah it lasts for about a thousand years um do you want me to give a quick rundown of of yeah let's talk about him because he was an interesting guy
1: Yes. All right. So this is totally cool. Um, Manny is, of course, the founder and namesake of the religion. And um, there are some really interesting things. So Ian Gardner's um, The Founder of Manichaeism, Rethinking the Life of Manny, gives some really interesting...
0: This is, by the way, brand this is new... the like, latest cutting-edge scholarship on a religion yes. <laughs> that ended a thousand yes. years ago. But... Yes.
1: Um And this is really great because he says um, that, first of all, Manny, was this his real name? Is it a title? Um, And he says, this is on page 33, I think, um, that the consensus now is that the etymology of the name should be sought in the word mana, meaning vessel or garment. Mm -hmm. Um, And that this is a term with a sort of wide utility in the relevant religious literatures. um, And regarding, particularly, the world of light. Right, so the dualism of, of Manny's dualism, right? The dualism of Manichaeism is definitely related to Gnostic mm-hmm. dualism. You have similarly these two worlds, um, and so the idea that his name is drawn from this term that had to do with kind of the world or light of light, right? A vessel or a garment in the world of light. Um, so it might have been more of a title, like Christ is for Jesus, right? Christ, Christos, you know, meaning like. Aha. Um so that this may not have been his personal name, in the way that Jesus is a personal mm-hmm. name, right? Probably like Yeshua or something. Um yeah. So this might actually be more of a title. Um what we do know is that he's born in what is now Iran. Um but at the time is I mean it's the Sasanian Empire in Mesopotamia, essentially, but you know. Um this is the third century Roughly 216 to 277. um, And his religion spread from North Africa, which of course is where Augustine found it, (laughs) um, to Southern China and lasted over a thousand years. Um, Yeah. And the fact that it finally died out, it's the only widespread major world religion um, from this period to have died Hmm. out, arguably. I mean, you could probably, but generally speaking, there are other, you know, like Zoroastrianism, Buddhism, Buddhism, I mean, Christianity and Judaism, like yeah. all these other religions are still around. Um, Yeah, it's not entirely clear what happened. But Gartner also has this great quote on page two <laughs> where he says, uh, he starts by saying that there are not a lot of people who study this because it's not a living religion. And, um... You know, why? And he says one can make a case for the religion's pivotal role between East and West, its passage along the trade routes of Eurasia as a conduit for the spread of religious concepts, symbols, and tales. We can argue um, that it was the Manichaean elect who brought the story of Buddha to Europe. Perhaps it was they who first took the worship of Jesus to China. It may be that Manichaeism is the vital link that in its emphasis upon the apostle and the book And the heavenly messenger leads from Judaism and Christianity to Islam. So um, that's a fantastic quote. I love it. And it's a really terrific reminder that this is a religion. This is where you started, right? That was everywhere. It traveled and it took things from everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently this was really, this is again from Gardner. This was something that Manny himself really stressed Um, That this revelation should be known in all languages, among all cultures, and all peoples. Um, So it was meant to be, I guess today we would say, kind of multicultural. No, I
0: mean, like, it feels, Um, when I think about it, it feels, like, really weirdly modern to me. Because when you talk to people about their religious beliefs or their their spiritual beliefs, you often Mm -hmm. meet people who are like, well... I'm this, but I also believe in that thing, you know, like, people who are Jewish, but they're also yes, Buddhists, Buddhists, or, like, yes. <laughs> Unitarianism, just sort of generally, or, yes. you know. Um, yep. yes, Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think that people, and you think of it as a modern thing, because all of these texts are very accessible, and, you know, travel is a lot yeah. easier than it was, but... It's, uh, it's interesting to think that it's really not, you know, a modern idea that you could become enamored with somebody else's uh, traditions and think, well, I think there might be some mm-hmm. truth there. Yes.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it is, it is a really important thing, right? Because this is sort of Gardner's point that people don't study it in some ways because it was everywhere but also not, it didn't ultimately become dominant Mm -hmm. anywhere, right? It ultimately disappears. Um, And so he points out that, um, you know, a lot, Manny himself was actually aware of this and wrote a lot of stuff. We know this, but most of his own texts Mm -hmm. were lost. This is another quote from Gardner on page 13. Um, Although Manichaeism originated in Mesopotamia, um, and the Sasanian Empire was both its birthplace and the Church's seat of authority for centuries, the majority of what has been learned about the religion belongs either to... to the expansion to the west or the east right uh and so that's that's kind of the problem which is that uh, we either know it sort of from the west from people like augustine right where of course it is ultimately deemed a heresy or it does make it into the east right as you said right all the way to china but again obviously it does not become dominant Mm -hmm. there um and so people don't necessarily see it as a primary important thing to study um and so it's become, and so he says it become it's become really easy to treat sort of the Coptic Psalms, right, with their sort of Christian emphasis, um, as isolated from the Chinese hymns that have a Buddhist framework. Mm. Okay. Uh, and that only recent work has started to put it back together as one mm-hmm. whole religion, right? And that's sort of the difference that we're very used to the idea of studying Christianity all over the world, right. of course, or of studying Judaism even mm-hmm. around the world. Um, even, you know, people, Buddha, uh, Hinduism. Buddhism
0: is everywhere, but it's different everywhere. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, and that because, because this is kind of a niche religion anyway, at, at this point, right? Because it ultimately disappears, that the people who study it haven't been looking at it in unity. Ooh. How do the Coptic texts compare to the Chinese hymns, right? But separately, right? How is Coptic... How are the Coptic texts? What do they have to tell us about Christianity, right? Versus what do they have us to tell us about Manichaeism, right. essentially? Yeah. So, um, so that sort of issue, but that their their recent work is trying to break down those walls. Um, there has been a recent recovery of texts in both Greek and a variety of Middle Iranian languages. Oh. So that is important. Manny himself, we just know that he was brought up in an Aramaic-speaking community that was broadly Judeo-Christian. Mm-hmm. This is of course a time in history when Judeo Christian is a term you can actually yeah. use because it's accurate as opposed right. to later when it's really not, even though we use it.
0: Aramaic is um, basically the language that Jesus spoke. Is it I mean. Yep. I think that they yeah. did the Passion of the Christ in that, right? And the Yes, they tried <laughs> the Passover <laughs> liturgy. <laughs> is... Yes.
1: Um it's worth pointing out, I mean, he's only a couple hundred years mm-hmm. later, right? So he's Sure. You know, what we are to George Washington or whatever.
0: Right? Okay.
1: I mean, and he, he's a little bit further away. So maybe what, like, Australians are to George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's not that far away, but I'm just trying to think of English yeah. dialects. But anyway. But yeah, so so this is the community he grows up in. Um, and he may have modeled himself on Paul, the apostle. Uh, the title he seems to have used most often for himself is um, as an, an apostle of Jesus. Okay that he considered himself an apostle Jesus. Um, he was a visionary, so he did have visions, right? We're back to that idea of dualism, that knowledge comes from revelation. So he was a visionary and possibly a healer. This is harder to know because, of course, you know, divine healing and such, but he, he may have been an actual healer. Okay. <laughs> um, so that is another thing. So, um, Manichaean dualism, what it is. All right, it's clearly drawn definitely some of it drawn from gnosticism um there are a lot of similarities the big debate is kind of what manny himself originally taught versus what comes down to us Mm -hmm. eventually (laughs) but it seems that what um this dualism requires is all right first of all that you as the believer you have to distinguish between light and dark they have always been separate since the beginning. These two realms, right? The realms of light and the realm of dark mm-hmm. have always been separate. Each has its own ruler. So God rules the light, obviously, right? And then, you know, dark, there's a force of darkness that rules the darkness. Um. So basically, um, Father, the Father is the God of truth. So we are with God the Father here, right? So that's Christianity, of course, um, has existed, you know, ever since the beginning or possibly has no beginning or end, except also that, like, there is the beginning where the forces got split. But anyway, the Eternal God lives forever in the Realm of Light. This is, right, his kingdom. However, there also exists without any beginning or end. Well, without any beginning. Maybe there'll be an end. Um, An incalculable evil realm with its own ruler. Okay. Okay. Um, and it is, you know, separate. Okay. So the Realm of Darkness is entirely unlike the Light in every way. They are, of course, basically opposites. Right, um, and God exists sort of you know, around everything that is good and is also sort of all knowing about history and creation and so on. um everything is under the divine plan, and ultimately good will defeat evil <laughs> so that that is important also, definitely elements, more elements kind of from Christianity in there, um and uh in addition to all of this. Um, Jesus is also a very important figure and savior in this divine structure. Okay. Basically, <laughs> um, it seems that on the one hand, we are supposed to think of the good as sort of eternal and etc., and evil as almost eternal but will have an end eventually when good will triumph over it. Okay. But also, there was a moment when, you know, the demonic maybe tried to attack the divine, something like this, and that's what led to. The creation of the world. Hmm. So, we do again have that idea that the that matter is evil. So the material world is part of the evil. Okay. So that is part of this, and um, that happened again, right? That's that sort of idea with Gnosticism of a kind of um, evil mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although maybe it wasn't exactly a mistake. Maybe it's just a byproduct. Anyway, but at some point, right, the demonic dark realm, tried to attack the good realm, and that's how like, material reality was created. Yeah, so that is um, what we've got for Manny, mm-hmm. and it is really interesting, because it, it clearly draws from a lot of stuff. It very clearly draws from Christianity um, and Gnosticism, which makes sense, yes, given where he grew up, but there also may very well be elements, or certainly influences in various ways, from things like Zoroastrianism, mm-hmm. um, and you know, people debate how much is the general point because that is what people want to debate. Right. <laughs> um, but in some ways, it's more to the point that um, these were all seen as important influences, right? So whether or not he directly took stuff, or you can, you s- maybe you can't say, well, that's this thing is an obvious influence, but that's fine, right? That's not exactly the point. The point is that this was supposed to be a kind of um, belief system that could be adapted to or followed by people who were familiar with these other Mm -hmm. systems, like Zoroastrianism, Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, right? Um, Yeah, and that, you know, aside, and again, right, dualism is important. It is also what people who disliked it tended to boil it down Mm -hmm. to. (laughs) Um, And in some ways, that is also, of course, not entirely fair, it's very important, right? Again, we have what would be considered very heretical in the Christian world um, of the material reality being evil and of there being these two separate realms. Mm-hmm. So essentially good, God and good and then evil. Um, but those aren't, you know, those are important. <laughs> uh, but not the sort of only things, right? right? That he did also... It, this is interesting, right? Because it's it's not necessarily considered a form of Christianity. Of course, it's not. It becomes its own religion, um, but it does right include Jesus and, so, mm-hmm. you know, um, Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so there, it definitely still includes these other figures um, in ways that Manny clearly thought were important. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's also a really interesting guy, which is another thing, because he, this is the big debate, you know, did he mean to create his own religion? It's not quite clear. But also, he certainly intended to write everything mm-hmm. down, because he obviously looked around and like, you know, Jesus, and even like, Paul, I mean, there are all these people who, write if you left writings, you were good. If you didn't leave writings, then you had to depend on the fact that other people would interpret your stuff, or That's your words.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's just unfortunate that a lot of his stuff didn't actually survive.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can kind of see, I don't know, I keep thinking about this, that, you know, Buddhism wouldn't really say that the material world is inherently evil, but you would say that it right. is, the like, the root of suffering, right? That, like, things, mm-hmm. people desire things, and that's where suffering arises from. And so in the same way that asceticism comes to the world is evil you can kind of see how you would get there from that thought and how you might graft mm-hmm. that into this other situation mm-hmm. I don't know, It's that's very interesting
1: yeah, no, absolutely I mean, um, and it's that's again, right, the idea that a lot of this stuff is a kind of logical conclusion, if you think of heaven and hell um, and many does seem to imply that there is directionality here, so I think that like good is mm-hmm. north and evil is south of of good <laughs> um you think if you know heaven is up and hell is down um there are kind of logical extremes that that do take you to these places um yeah so yeah and, and the, the interesting thing is that like why does it disappear and in some ways i think maybe the sort of kind of obvious answer on some level is that um The problem is, I mean, yes, for a while it is thought of as, like, the main competitor to Christianity, but, of course, then Islam, right? right? And that, in some ways, I think, basically, um, Islam was just very, was just more successful, Mm -hmm. ultimately, right? Um, And that, yeah, Manichaeism was almost that, but then, in the end, didn't have what it took to compete, Mm -hmm. right, Um, with, you know, a religion that ultimately... um, you know,
0: they didn't have a good enough. A lot of people have sort of, basically.
1: Yeah. But also a lot of people have kind of speculated that like if left to its own devices, in a lot of ways that Islam could very easily become the dominant religion Mm -hmm. in the world. Right. Given that this is a world where Christianity by force or otherwise has kind of become dominant. If that's a kind of belief system that you like, um, but maybe you're looking for something a little different, (laughs) that Islam kind of offers Mm -hmm. you that. Um, And that's, yeah and it is a kind of interesting question. Um <laughs> that you know but what what was it about what is it that sort of didn't give mm-hmm. manichism that extra oops? yeah um i don't know um, but yeah but he himself was real interesting. Um and it is worth pointing out that he um does die uh, probably in prison. Mm-hmm. Um but he he is viewed as having been a martyr. Um it's not clear that he was actually murder (laughs) manny um but definitely right he is then kind of parallel to jesus okay Um, so yes so his followers
0: definitely definitely help out there so is he seen as divine himself or more as like a um as a prophet prophet. Mm -hmm. yeah
1: um but also again in the sense that um you know outside of christianity jesus is also frequently seen as Mm -hmm. a prophet um,
0: you know, right. Islam. Islam sees <laughs> right? him and, I mean, apparently yeah. Manichaeism also sees him as a prophet.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so he's sort of seen as the, you know, in line with um, Jesus and Buddha.
0: Um, it feels yeah. like it was an era of prophets. time kind of There's a lot going on, yeah.
1: obviously. Um, and there's also, I mean, yeah, if you think about it, all the stuff that's happening, right? I mean, this is a time of tremendous
0: kind of philosophical change world change mm-hmm. um yeah. rome fell in the 400s right so this is right mm-hmm. before then the religion yeah been... but you think
1: of it like rome is coming yeah. through the middle east right alexander has been through rome is coming through um so there is this huge change right the world is really uniting people are traveling yeah. right um And that's why, you know, Manichaeism, the fact that it spreads this far, um, it's one of the first religions that's really had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the Romans are marching and they're building roads. and um, Yeah. Yeah. There's this sort of incredible um, sense of what's going on and people discovering things and moving around. um, And that's what happens, right? When when all these beliefs and ideas and tales start to collide,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, like... Um, I was gonna say Jews Jews uh moved around a lot in the you know, the various exiles and things, but they didn't really mm-hmm. try to convert people or it wasn't the sort no. of religion that people really converted to. So um Right. Whereas yeah.
1: Christianity is about to happen. That's where Europe. Judaism
0: made a mistake by not proselytizing. <laughs> you gotta be yeah. like we could Clearly. have been a contender, yes. but Yep. Nah, we could have been a contender. <laughs> yes. But
1: yes. Um, yeah, exactly right. And Christianity's about to go, and um, that I mean, yeah, clearly Manny is looking at that and yeah. seeing some opportunity. And he did travel, like he traveled mm-hmm. all over the place himself, all the way like to India and yeah, North Africa and through you know, so he traveled that He's whole like road. Like George himself. Harrison, basically. Um, Never. <laughs> yes. This is some other stuff. Actually, Gardner is some really like he. So he traveled a ton, and one of the interesting things actually is sort of like how much where you really expected to travel it's kind of like work 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 Mm -hmm. um you travel 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 um but also that he was apparently kind of unique like the way he you know he wanted to stand out in a crowd so like the way he dressed and stuff like this um yeah so there's something sort of interesting about about him in a lot of ways like he did clearly craft an image which is another reason why it can be so hard to know his -hmm. history even you know of course it's always hard to know people's histories um and even, you know, Augustine's confessions, like, I mean, it's it's usually considered semi-autobiographical because, of course, he is crafting an image. Like, that's what he's doing. Um, and that is definitely what Manny was doing as well. The fascinating thing is that he did end up creating what becomes its own religion. Um, and did he – is that what he meant to – like, it's not did he mean mm-hmm. to do that. But um, did he realize that he was crafting his own religion? Yeah did he think that it was part of something else? It's actually sort of hard to see how he would think it was part of something else. Cause it clearly was distinct from the things around him. Right. Um, but of course dualism was around. Yeah. So did he, did he think this was kind of like a Gnostic Christianity? Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. unclear. But, I mean, the idea of become what thing, yeah.
0: becomes its own religion and what doesn't is kind of nebulous in a lot of ways. Aside from moments where you have, like, a very distinct schism, right? Like, between the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic. Right. But even they don't really consider themselves separate religions, just... Right. To me, it speaks of, like, Luther. Yeah. Right?
1: What made Luther work? Because we're going to go on and talk more about Harry's in the following weeks. And this is one of the big questions that nobody can answer. Um, What made Luther the guy who got away? Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Why didn't he get (laughs) burned at the stake, basically?
1: Or even just, like, why – there's so many other proto-Protestant mm-hmm. heresies that we'll talk about. Why is Lutheranism the one that happened? Yeah. So um, – and, of course, there are always so many re- reasons. It's just hard to ever – you know, there's so many mm-hmm. reasons. And also luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Manichaeism, like, in some ways you could also say he came along at this perfect time, right? This is a period when Christianity is still figuring itself out. Right? It's still developing. It's still solidifying itself. Um, it's certainly at already to the point where Gnosticism is and dualism of this kind is considered a heresy, but it's still mm-hmm. feeling itself out. It's still defining itself from, away from Judaism, right. which is really its big contest, which is one of the reasons why Gnosticism takes so long to get really stamped out, because, of course, really, it's, Christianity is busy dividing itself
0: from Judaism. And they didn't um, have the sort of power that they would have later on during the various inquisitions and stuff to right. sort of, like, oh, God, snap their fingers close. and get rid of these things. No, no, no. Like, Christianity is, is still in yeah. danger
1: from, like, other religions. Right. Yeah. Origen, we mentioned Origen. Um, he thought – he he really um, – his dad, I think, was martyred. And he really thought that, like, that's what you were supposed to do, was get martyred. <laughs> he does manage like, to get it, – it's getting much less common by the time he's alive. Because you know, generally speaking, there's more or less peace in the world. But I mean, it's not super uncommon. He's, as I think, did I say this? Like, kind of one eighty-five to two fifty-three or four. So obviously, people are martyred oh, yeah. like through the three and four hundreds regularly. I mean, so it's just that where he is, like, there's a bit of peace. But then he does end up being imprisoned, and I think maybe even tortured, but not martyred. Oh, how disappointing for him! I know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sad. Um, but anyway, But this, so this is the mm-hmm. time, right? So so Christianity is fighting its battles on a lot of fronts already, yeah. right? So Manichaeism in some ways, like, it's, it's another upstart, you know, but it's not something Christianity necessarily feels the need to worry about until much later, right? Augustine, and even Augustine mm-hmm. gets sucked in, right, in North Africa. Um, you know, in the 300s, late 300s, you know, um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, n- and that's, that is the time at which Christianity is finally in a position where it could kind of be like, you know what, we're ready to stop, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so Manichaeism does kind of sh- shortly thereafter disappear from the West, mm-hmm. but of course still exists, you know, throughout the Middle East and into China. Um, but yeah, I think in some ways timing, right? So it, it went everywhere because there weren't, there weren't competitors, there weren't people, there weren't dominant religions to stop it out. There are mm-hmm. a lot of newcomers. Yeah. Right? Uh, so in some ways, the question probably isn't why did Manichaeism manage to survive for a thousand years, um, but why did Christianity become the dominant religion that managed to stomp everybody else mm-hmm. out eventually, except for, like, Judaism. And, of course, ultimately Islam as well. But th- that'll that be a while. That'll be a while.
0: <laughs> I guess I blame Constantine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Maybe. Well, his yeah. mom, right? One supporter in the right place.
1: Yeah, that'll do it.
0: Can do a lot for you as a religion. yes. yes i mean and some, sometimes that's all the answer you need but well, um, i mean but like yeah. we keep so, talking about these religions yeah. as though you know it's the actual religion or some symbol thereof right. of having a meeting with the pr <laughs> right. firm and being like okay i think there's an opportunity here how do i get in but really yes. it's this is yes. much more nebulous like why do people choose a religion or why would you right. choose this one instead of that one and i I right. don't understand that at well, all. Sometimes, in my own day to day life, yeah. So, well, sometimes because
1: you're forced to, and sometimes because you yeah. don't want to, right? And it's an interesting question because, of course, um, sometimes you choose it because it's not allowed, mm-hmm. right? So, like people who choose Christianity because it's it's not allowed; it's the dangerous, revolutionary religion. But then, at some point. Right. Surviving that transition from being the dangerous, mm-hmm. revolutionary, romantic thing to being the power of the state.
0: Not everyone survives a bad that. bad boy. And then you have to yeah. like, clean up and wear a suit.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes you don't mm-hmm. survive that. I mean, sometimes the people are like, meh, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be forced to do it's this. It's exciting
0: all. when I'm um, not, you know, sneaking into the meeting hall. And...
1: Yeah. But then sometimes people are like, oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why not? Um, of course, not everyone is, which is why there continue to be heresies, which we'll continue All to right.
0: talk about. Um, Next time. Yes. All right. Cool.
1: But yeah, Manny. Manny was kind of in the right place at the right time, and he was clearly a brilliant <laughs> and really charismatic, charming guy. Yes. So I think that that's part
0: of your answer, right? Sometimes you just need a good leader. Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, <laughs> we've recently learned the value of charismatic leaders, so yeah. Yes. All right. So I think we better put a pin in that for now. Um, but there you go. There is a whole religion that existed for a thousand years that you didn't know about. S- yes, yes, read nanny. up on many. If you check out the Wikipedia page, there's examples of art from all over, basically, I guess, what you would have called the known world at the time. Um, and it's very interesting because Ooh, they have, yeah. you know, things that are obviously more... Christian in style and more Buddhist in style and, you know, more Indian in style. And so you really get a sense of how the religion traveled and how all of these different cultures sort of accepted it into their ways of life and integrated it. Um, yes. yeah. Cool. So I'm uh, gonna run through my quick announcements. Thank you for joining me and thank you everyone for listening. You can check us out on Facebook by searching for Ask a Medievalist. And we put up announcements about episodes and sometimes uh, sweet medieval memes, I guess. Um, We have a Twitter at Ask a Medievalist and a website, which is askamedievalist.com. You can contact us there via our contact form or you could email us directly at questions at askamedievalist.com. I think that is all of the different ways that you can interact with us. Oh, you can also leave us a review or uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So yeah, have a great time. Um, Read up on Manichaeism, and we'll see you next time for more on Proto-Protestant heresies. So keep it medieval. Ask a Medievalist is a production of This Can't Be That Hard Studios and is not endorsed, acknowledged, or condoned by Virginia Commonwealth University or any of its constituent departments. Our theme music is Veni Veni Venias from Carmina Burana by Carl Orff, performed by the MIT Concert Choir and licensed under a Creative Commons attributional non-commercial license version 3.0. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, why not tell a friend? For more on today's topic, including sources, annotations, and corrections, visit our website at www.askamedievalist.com. And if you have questions, feel free to drop us an email at questions at askamedievalist.com.